This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on paying less for the coverage you need with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get a quote today at FBHP.com. It is Tuesday, and our Titans radio crew is at the Arthur Outlaw Convention Center in downtown Mobile, Alabama. Day one of practices in the books here. Rhett Bryan is joining us. Coach Dave McGinnis is joining us. Ramon Foster is joining us, and I am Mike Keith. And we are glad that you are with us as we saw a national football practice this morning, an American football practice this afternoon. A lot of good football here at the 75th Reese's Senior Bowl. Coach Dave McGinnis, if I have to ask you to highlight one guy, one guy who just reached up and grabbed you today, who would you say that is? Jackson, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon. He's an underclassman. Uh, I mean, the guy, the guy just looked like a professional center. I mean, he's, he's, he's got 330 pounds. He's thick in the middle. Very, he did not get knocked back at all today. He climbed to the second level. I really liked his practice today. 6'3", roughly 330 pounds, as Coach mentions, and he has played all of the interior spots in the offensive line at Oregon most people see him as the center. He says his goal is to be the first center taken in the draft. Well, he's got a chance. He's got a chance because I was very, very impressed with what he did today, and he did it from the start to the finish. I will say one thing about these coaches, the head coaches that are running both of these practices. They gave a lot of time to one-on-ones today, a lot of time to one-on-ones for the defensive line and the offensive linemen, and that's what scouts want to see and coaches want to see, and a lot of time a lot of time to the wide receiver defensive backs, one-on-ones. But Jackson Powers Johnson just stood out, and then once they got to the team game, he was still that dude that that very seldom got displaced. Rep Brian, who was the player that stood out to you from the two practices today? I'm going to stay on the offensive line, and I'm going to stay in the same position with another center from LSU, Charles Turner. Charles Turner, 6'3", 300 pounds, a nearly 83-and-a-half-inch wingspan. He lined up at guard and at center today. And you talk about a guy that showed – some twitch to his game, movement very quickly, very athletic, very long, very flexible. And I, he's somebody I've been reading more and more about as we came into this week, and he showed me that in this practice today. All right, Ramon Foster, Rhett Bryan, and Coach Dave McGinnis have gone with offensive linemen. You are an offensive lineman. <laughs> Will you make it three for three as you pick your player. Winner, winner, Mike. You are, sir. Okay. Right. <laughs> that guy for me is uh, Tyler Guyton. Uh, I heard about him. I heard others talk about him. I honestly came in side-eyeing him. I didn't want to believe what they said to me until I saw him myself. He's 6'7", 328, Oklahoma tackle, plays right tackle, but as athletic as he looked, I wouldn't put it out there that he wouldn't be able to move over. His hands was good. He sits up in his stance high, but he plays lower than he than he, uh, than he he actually starts out. His movements left to right was good. He went up against Chris Braswell. They matched good on good today, and he had a good day also. And watching them two battle, push back at one another, you could tell coaches coming up to him talking to those guys, uh, primarily uh, Guyton more than anything, and he held his own for a guy that's recently played tight end. He is a specimen, and I don't think he's far off from where people will say, oh, he's a project. No, I, I won't say he's a project. I think he will learn on the job. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network put out his new top 50 today, and it – 
it has some interesting things, as you would guess. Caleb Williams is still number one, the quarterback from USC. Uh, obviously, Drake May is right there at the top as well. Marvin Harrison is right there at the top as well. And uh, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from LSU, is number five. Then it gets really interesting. Uh, Terion Arnold, the cornerback from Alabama, is up to number six, which is the highest I've seen him anywhere. Now, again, this is not a mock. This is his top 50 players. The thing that's important to remember about DJ is DJ talks to NFL people. So he didn't do this in a vacuum. He's getting feedback from, because he worked for NFL teams. He's getting feedback from people to his list and what their lists are looking like. Joe Alt, left tackle from Notre Dame, nine. Talisi Fuaga, offensive tackle, Oregon State, is 11. Ahead of Ola Fashanu, the offensive tackle from Penn State, who's 12. And then J.C. Latham, offensive tackle, Alabama, is 13. Uh, Troy Futana, the offensive tackle from Washington, is 16. Tyler Guyton, offensive tackle from Oklahoma, is 17. Amarius Mims, offensive tackle, Georgia, is 18. And then Jordan Morgan, offensive tackle, Arizona, is at 31. All right. Coach Dave McGinnis, let's play a game. You love games. I love games. You really don't. I do. (laughs) But there's so many people who are saying, if you're the Titans, you got to go tackle at seven. You have to. Now, that could change based on what they do in free agency. But let's just say they don't go with a tackle in free agency and they're, they're looking to do one in the draft. Do they have to go tackle at seven based on their own need or based on what you're seeing after just one day and talking about some of these prospects, the majority of whom are here, could they drop back or could they even wait into the second round to go tackle? Yeah, first of all, you don't have to do anything. Right. And, and there's, a lot, there's, a, there's a lot of but water. But the fans are saying you do. So, but, I, I mean, I'm going with the OT people and, and sort of what their conversation is. You've got to go tackle. You've got to go tackle. You've got to go tackle. Well, what you've got to do is build this roster. Okay. And you don't, you don't, you don't have an overabundance of picks. Now, any of those guys that you've mentioned at the top that will be available at seven, and Joe Alt will be available at seven, Fashanu still, I mean, with all due respect, you know, to, to what DJ's doing right now, I mean, he's going to be up there. He's going to be up there in that mix. So, to me, it depends on how strong you feel about a tackle at seven. How strong do you feel? If you feel really strong that even though there are more tackles in here, we're not going to get that guy for a long length of time to put on that left side next to Peter Skaronsky, then let's go get the guy. It's a lot like it's a lot like to me when Detroit went after Panay Sewell. They went after Panay Sewell, you know, with a pick that people thought, you know what? It's a little you know you're just coming in new, you're getting you're getting a you're getting a group together and you go with an offensive tackle uh, the need is there. Now, can you get other tackles? Sure you can. Sure you can. But it's like a, a bird in a hand, two in the bush type of thing, too. Depends on how many picks you can get by moving out. But based on what you see and what you've seen from some of these other guys, do you feel like you could either potentially drop back and get one of those guys later in the first round or 
get the kind of quality you want at pick number 38 if you went with something different. Like, let's say you took Arnold the corner at seven. You need a corner. Sure you do. I mean, they're hard to find. So let's say you went there and you said, okay, at 38, we're thinking maybe we'll go tackle. Based on what you've seen, do you feel better about the overall top-end talent at tackle after today? Yes. Okay. I'm of the same conversation. I'm with Coach Mack. I'm with the idea, the talent that we saw today in these tackles, um, I'd much rather stack picks as much as I possibly can. If I can move from seven to 18 or 22 and there's still some quality there, give me that guy, even if that guy has to play right tackle. Because here's the thing, you you got to somewhat be real with yourself about what we're trying to do here in Nashville. This isn't a one-year fix. This is a this year, this is the next year, this has been good in free agency. All of this is compounded now to get back to where that standard is higher. You have a firm baseline about everything that you're trying to do. And here's the other side of it, too. From my side of it, looking at how you got to be as a GM, you got to be as a franchise, I, what, is, what does it usually go, Coach Mack? Top five, you're supposed to be walking ready. Go jacket caliber type of guys for the most part, right? If, if, if they're Prospect not. Wise. Prospect wise. If they're not, then you've – Misevaluated and, and top ten is is you instant starter for the most part too. Like you're going in within like the first half of the season, you're starting. There's a lot of pressure to get that right too. Sure. So if I can move back, get a guy that's a little bit safer, a little bit cheaper, still high quality, high pedigree, I much rather take him. If this group is what they said it is, and we saw a good bit of these tackles here today too, as far as their ability to play, and they have some ability too. And Coach Mack hit me to a, a term the other day. I don't be an instant evaluator. Okay, just because I think the kid from uh, from Arizona today didn't have the greatest day doesn't mean tomorrow in teams he's not going to be good. I thought he was solid for the most part today. But, of course, the guy that stood out to me was Tyler Guyton. He stood above far, far and beyond anybody else. And you had him as – well, Jeremiah Trotter had him at 17. If I can move back at 17, get me a third, maybe another fourth on top of that, we're living well, and you make an interesting point, and Rhett, I bring you in on this because Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, held his press conference this morning and made what I thought was a fascinating point. He said that because there's so few underclassmen in this draft, and there are 54 who declared early and there are four more who are exemptions, so it's a total of 58. If you compare that to 2020, that's almost exactly half. It's a half. The number in 2020 was 115. So that's 57 players difference. What he said, Rhett, is because so few underclassmen declared, and it's a lot because of NIL, we know that, but because so few declared, it guts – rounds five through seven of the draft. It guts draft boards. His point is that teams are going to fight to go up. Instead of putting things off and trying to grab a bunch of day three picks, they're going to fight to go up to get more draftable players on their own board. I thought that was fascinating. I think it, I, 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 I thought about that when he mentioned that at the press conference myself. And the belief is is that there's a good group in those middle rounds anyway. Now it's going to accelerate the gra- the land grab for that. Uh, but yeah, I I never thought about that part of it till he mentioned that this morning. I'm like, 
Yeah, that's a real thing. Well, last year it was 82. So, that's so it's tw- dropped. Well, I mean, it's a whole round. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's 24 players. That's that's literally three-quarters of a round that are not there because guys are choosing to go back to school for another year. And guess what the Titans have? A bunch of picks bunch of in picks. five, six, seven. Yeah, a bunch late. And no so, three. to the point about going up, do you think about dealing back from seven – to be able to get that third round pick that you don't have right now. Sure, that's that, that, yeah. that's that's part of the poker match. That's part of the poker match. But and here's the other thing. While we're sitting here talking like this at this round table, it's not round, but let's say that it is. Okay. They can't see us. <laughs> You're sitting here. T- First of all, Ramon, I'm glad you listen when I talk to you. I, I, I try to. I.e., you listened. I like that. Just when 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 players regurgitate to me good advice, I give them. I like that. I, I know it's going through. To me. To me, what is what is important? This is not only going to be the Titans thinking. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is thinking the oh, same sure. thing too. So, when you're talking, you're talking about your 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 case as far as about when you shrink numbers, because the draft is a numbers game anyway. Mm-hmm. You shrink numbers. I mean, all of us have been involved in the draft for a long time, and you know how you're always searching after about that fifth or sixth round. That board starts to shrink pretty quick, really quick, but. Everybody else is going to be thinking that, too. So you've got to put that into your mind, too. The thing that I think the Titans fans and the OT people need to hope the most is something that Dane Brugler wrote about in The Athletic, one of the questions entering the week, is does Bo Nix become a top-10 pick, the former Auburn quarterback who played at Oregon? Does he become a top-10 pick during the course of this week and then moving forward when he interviews and the combine and those sorts of things. Ramon Foster, if you're a Titan fan, you got to be pulling for that, oh, right? you have to because if he goes up, that pushes everybody else back that you need. And, of course, this is a quarterback-driven league, and the teams up top always need those guys. We know Chicago does. We know New England does. There's other teams in front of this team that can push your guy backwards. We've seen this happen before. Heck, let's go to a, a few years back. Now, this was to his own undoing, but Laramie Tunsil, he got pushed back. And the team benefited still because here's the thing. If the talent is good, you're going to always find talent. As a coach, it's your job and it's the player's responsibility and family and people surround them to make him a better adult, pro, and human being. Houston is still benefiting from his mess up because he got pushed <laughs> back. That young man was a top five pick, if not higher. Oh, yeah. So, yes, Mike, that is the ultimate dream. And, Coach Mac, you bring up a point, too, and I'm over here. My wheels are spinning now because we're actually talking about real stuff. If the word is out and there's no secrets in the NFL, everybody's saying the same thing. If Jim Nagy said that, he's getting that from an NFL team. Sure he is. So the aggressiveness of some teams that may be 12, may be 14, can actually benefit you more. So to move from 7 to 14 and you still got J.C. Latham, you still got Jordan Morgan, you still got all these guys that you know can play at a high caliber – yeah, I'll take that and give me a three, give me a four also, and we I'll let you have number seven because a top ten pick is valuable. And, Mike, here's a sidebar conversation that, that Ramon and I had at practice today at the conclusion of the American practice this afternoon. Um, we don't know what Nicholas Petit-Frere, how he works with this, and so what if he's one of those tackles and what if his – what if he is the left tackle? And then now you're looking at a right tackle. Instead, I mean, that could change the landscape of some things and or make Jaylen, it even – Or they think Jalen Duncan's the left tackle. Yeah, I mean, you know, and so they're just 
um, reinforces the probability of moving down if a Bo Nix moves up. Because that's the thing. The guys that are here at quarterback this, this week, they're trying to become the third quarterback in this draft. And there'll be people in the camps uh, in these different 31 other places that think Jaden Daniels is that, and there may be their mind can be changed to this because no matter who you ask, and certainly with Daniel Jeremiah, you mentioned the top two. Who's number three? And if there's a third, then that means somebody's going to go grab after if it's not Bo Nix and it's Jaden Daniels, or either, there's four quarterbacks possibly before you get to seven. Could be. And so, and you haven't even talked about grabbing the best edge pass rusher, the best cornerback, the best wide receiver, you know, all of those things. Well, what if Malik Neighbors is there from the wide receiver from LSU? It's better than Jim Neighbors. It's true, although he was outstanding. He was fantastic. He was fa- fantastic for all those years. But the, the, for the purposes <laughs> Matt, of this conversation. Uh, Matt gave me the eye roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> But, I mean, if he's there at seven, you're going, can we pass him up? Well, you can pass anybody up if you've got somebody now, see, in mind that you really need. That, but, I mean, <laughs> well, because I, 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 know, I know what it is. The thing about this is, let's peel back another layer of this onion. All of this is possible we're talking about because we've got a guy that we think is going to be our quarterback. That's right. Now, that's the layer of the onion that's important because it's been a while. It's been a while. You know, since you know, the, you know, the Titans had to trade for a quarterback so that you had one that you believed was going to be yours for for a minute, and but he wasn't on a rookie contract. So these these are the building blocks when you're working in today's National Football League in the draft that you got to take advantage of. So that being said, that being said, the fact that you've got a guy that you believe with development with what's going to go on can be your quarterback then there's a lot of avenues opened up to you afterwards. And the last two years, you have used a two and two threes, counting what you're trading this year, going after quarterbacks, talking about Will Levis and talking about Malik Willis. You're not going to have to do that this year, to your point. Yeah, and I was just going to add in on top of that as far as you draft any of the best available, what works for you. That's the thing that we got to realize. So Brian Callahan is going to draft what works for him also, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that, that I'll go back to is the Panay Sewell thing. Some thought he was going to be a left tackle. Detroit is saying, nah, he's a right tackle, and that's okay with us. We just want the best five out there. Mm-hmm. And if that is NPF going to left and you actually still drafting a right tackle, I mean, you got two guys that's been in the Titans building for a couple of years with Peter Skaronsky going to his next year, right? So you got somewhat of a balance and understanding that this is our franchise moving forward and the success is on our backs. It's Again, we've been saying left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. But if it's best available and that guy just, ha- just so happens to play his right, then you got something else too. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think we saw Jordan Morgan today line up at right tackle too. Right. So, I mean, you've got options. But, I mean, it could be – I mean, Red, if I told you right now with the way you love the draft that you could have alt – at seven, the left tackle from Notre Dame, and Jackson Powers Johnson at 38, the center. It's not real sexy in terms of your first two picks. Would you do it? Yes. <laughs> he was he was adamant. He well, was, yeah, I well, know Ramon, Ramon's raising his hand. <laughs> well, no. I can't say. 
But you're not, you're not credible because of your old line. You want to draft five offensive well, linemen. Well, I, I, I had a good D lineman down here, too. I right. was that close to saying that. Okay. Which D lineman? <laughs> it, it was. Oh, he just kept showing up. I'm, my bad. I mean, no, I'm jumping from. Braden Fiske from Florida State. Yeah. I, he just kept showing up. He's player. And I'm looking at him, I'm just like, why is he in the backfield again? I, I, I thought I was over-talking Coach Mack uh, on, in, in the stands. I'm like, there he is again. There's 55 again. There's some good quality down here. He like, showed up today. He showed up today. He did. And now and I, I'm going to just fall back again. Good. But I believe my eyes today, though, Coach. That's all you can count on today. And, and of course, you know, the film work you do. But anyway, that, but this, this conversation is a good conversation. Because, you know, I, I spent some time with Ray Agnew today, the assistant GM at Detroit, and was just going back over the foundation that they built. And the first thing he said to me was, Mac, we didn't care what everybody else thought about our draft picks. They wanted Sam Laporta. Mm-hmm. They wanted Jameer Gibbs. They didn't worry about it. He said, we just went after ball players that we knew would fit what we do, to his point. Well, I mean, let's face it, with the Tennessee Titans, the one thing that I think everybody can agree on is this roster doesn't have enough difference makers. It just doesn't. And you've got to find with 7 and 38, regardless of the position they play, I mean, regardless of what you do, you've got to find two difference makers who give you a level that they can just help you go win a game. Tajay Spears was at practice today. Yeah, he was. Back here to support his two-lane teammates. Great to see Tajay. He's a difference maker. They got him at 81. They need more guys like that all over the team who just are dominant winning players, Rhett. And, Mike, I go back and reference a previous OTP you've done recently when you were talking about roster construction and your first dozen players, Mm -hmm. the middle guys, and then the guys on the back end. You don't. To, to cement what you're talking about, you don't have enough of that first dozen guys that are the difference makers. Yeah, the, the theory being the 1 through 12, the 13 through 40, and then the 41 through 53. That's their three different sort of neighborhoods that they live in. The Titans 1 through 12 is not good enough right now. But to go back to and finishing up answering your question about the 7 and 38 with Joe Alt and with uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, I do that just for one main reason. It goes back to what Coach Max said a moment ago, if you believe Will Levis is your guy, he was sacked over 40 times? It was too many. Too many? That, and you're going to try to protect that investment, and, and that would go for whoever is back that's there. That's right. So you got to do that. Agreed. All right, let's talk about some of the guys we had a chance to visit with today. Uh, I want to talk about Quinion Mitchell first. <laughs> if you don't know, if you're listening to the OTP and you don't know Quinion Mitchell's name, cornerback out of Toledo who's originally from Florida and he was discussed like for example he is number 19 on Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. A lot of people think he is going to be the highest selected player from here at the Senior Bowl. All he did today is go out and basically dominate, Coach. He just broke up every pass they threw at him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if that's what a corner is supposed to do. Is that spo- – that- Well, and to me, to, you talk about Daniel Jeremiah, and people wonder why are you talking about him because you know, Jim Nagy uh, 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 talked about Daniel Jeremiah today in this press conference. He said every time Daniel Jeremiah pushes somebody up the board, you know, we lose them. 
you know, you know prior, prior to coming in, which, which is – and you brought up a point because DJ talks to people in this league. Right. He talks to people that know. I mean, he's not talking to the goober-doober shoe flies out there that circle around this stuff. <laughs> I mean, okay. he's, talking to, he's talking to legit dudes. So, you ask, you ask me about Kenyon Mitchell, coach, please. Length. Uh huh. The big, the best thing though with length, a lot of times lengthy cornerbacks that are high cut have a hard time in transition. When I say transition, I'm talking about two step back pedal, stick your foot in the ground, and immediately go forward. Mm-mm, he got that. He's got that. 19, DJ. I love that. He sat in Ramon Foster's chair earlier today and visited with us. This is uh, Quinion Mitchell, a really talented player out of uh, Toledo, a corner. He's with us now on the OTP. Quenyon Mitchell, cornerback, Toledo. You got to answer one question right off the top for me. Yes, sir. Williston, Florida. Yes, sir. Near Tampa. Nah, near Gainesville. Like near near t- Gainesville. Ten minutes from Gainesville. Okay. Still, how do you get from there to Toledo? How does that happen? Uh, so through the process, I had like an up and down process, uh, had some academic issues coming out of, uh, high school and Toledo, they just stuck with me the whole time. So that's why I went to Toledo. So you just stuck with them? Yes, sir. All right. Toledo for, for the uninitiated, which we're not, we know has got a really good reputation yes, sir. as far as, as, as far as, as football wise, as a, as a corner there, what did you, what did you take from there with, with the competition that you were against that you're going to apply here? Uh, just how you go about things, you know what I'm saying, how you come into the building and uh, take things and be like a pro and then just apply that to the game, just going out and competing and working hard. So, Technique-wise, talk to us a little bit. We watch tape on you. Talk to us about what you feel like you need to Im- improve on. Just give me two things. Uh, yeah, so at Toledo I play a lot of, you know what I'm saying, off-man and off stuff man, like that. Off-man, right. So just coming in, just coming in and repping, repping, my, uh, repping my press man and then uh, – Really just making every tackle, too, so, yeah. 62 targets, 27 catches for 290 yards, no touchdowns. That's that's the, the, the line against you in 2023 in Toledo. What do you think the best thing that you bring to the game uh, as you go through this process? What do you what do you think is the strengths that you're bringing to the table? I would say ball skills. Like I love being around the ball, hit, uh, knocking the ball now, intercepting the ball. I, you know, what I'm saying I just want to be around the ball and you know, what I'm saying just touch it. <laughs> and so you're not necessarily going for the pick. You're just going to disrupt. And then if you get a pick, great. No, I'm going for the pick. Okay, you know what I'm saying? There it is. Yeah, I'm going there for the pick. Is. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, so if I got to, I'll just just knock it down, just make a play on the ball. So yeah. Thing that jumped off the page to me about Quinion Mitchell, six feet, a little over six feet, 195 pounds. That obviously is going to impress a lot of teams right off the bat. Is that what you thought you would measure here? Was uh, that right at it, or, or yeah, did you think you were a little bigger? Or no, nah, I'm six foot, but uh, I was a little light. You know, what I'm saying one ninety five, a little light for me. You so, what it. do you want to play <laughs> on, on a day to day basis in the NFL? Uh, so, I've been at two hundred. You know, what I'm saying so, just from there to one, there to one ninety five for us. So, yeah, there are many people who are in the business of sort of scouting the draft for the media, and they are talking about you as potentially a guy who can end up in the first round of the draft. Yes, sir. As the buzz is out there, do you feel any pressure about that? Uh, no, sir. I don't really I don't really get into uh, stuff like that for real because, I mean, it's a lot of stuff going on, so if I really like get into it, then I'll be all over the place for real. So, no, I just I don't get into it for real. The one-on-ones here you know, for your position are, are – 
are massive. Oh, yeah. They're, they're big. So going into that, you played a lot of off-man. Now, they're going to ask you to press down here. and do So talk to me. I know you've been working on that. Yeah. Wherever you've been working, wherever you've been working out and training, talk yeah. to me about talk to me about that transition, the difference between off man and the press. Uh, I feel like off man really harder than press man. So uh, I mean, I can press. It just uh, it just was like our, the scheme that we was running. I feel like in our scheme playing off man, it gave me a lot of chances. You know what I'm saying? Break on the ball and stuff like that. So I feel like it'll be an easy transition. I just gotta like stay true to my technique. So yeah. Your frame, as Mike mentioned, you, you're the ideal size to be a corner in the NFL. Yes, sir. You feel like that helps you against big physical receivers? Because, I mean, you're going to see some big guys here, but yeah. you're definitely going to see them at the next level. Yeah, I feel like I feel like my frame and my speed and all that, I can match up against anybody, you know what I'm saying? Short, short, little short receiver, big receiver, you know what I'm saying? Don't matter, you know what I'm saying? I can go against anybody. Who is your idol as a cornerback that you try to emulate in your style of play? So like I watch a lot of corners and like try to take take stuff from uh from different corners, but a a, a corner that I really like is Darius Slay from the Eagles. Ah, yeah, like who Darius. also makes a lot of plays on the ball. Big play Slay, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about his game? Just talk to me about his technique wise that you've you've taken from it because yeah. that's a good thing that you're doing. Yeah, you're I, watching guys. Go ahead. He, he play a lot of off man. You know what I'm saying? He plays some press man too. But uh, the thing that I like about him is he he been doing it for a long time. You know what I'm saying? I think I think this might be like year. 10 or something like that and he's still still balling still going against the best like you know what I'm saying he he young he's like he a rookie so yeah Quinion, what is it that you're working on this week and throughout this whole process in your skill set uh I mean like I said really just you know what I'm saying playing a little bit more press man and stuff like that and uh just want to continue to uh, make plays on the ball when, it, when the opportunity comes Quinion Mitchell enjoyed watching you play at Toledo excited to watch you in Mobile and Thrilled for you that you're getting to go through this entire process. Thanks for joining us. No, thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thanks, Quinion. Yes, sir. Quinion Mitchell with us on the OTP. I'm reminding you that it's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action. Whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way to the game or grabbing one to go before watching the game at home, Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual because it's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. So like Mitchell, we had a chance to visit with another corner, Kalen King from Penn State. He is a guy that a lot of people are dying to watch this week. He knows it. That's what he told us in this interview from earlier today on the OTP. Kalen King, cornerback, Penn State. The first thing we need to say is happy birthday. You just had a birthday. Yes, it was on the 28th. Uh huh. So two days ago, you're legal. Yes. You are um, <laughs> 21 years old, very young in this whole process. Yes, sir. For, you were an early entrant to Penn State, and now you're here. Does it feel like it's just been a whirlwind? Man, it feels like I just enrolled into college last year. Like, that time fly, man. But I enjoy every moment of it. Why did you decide to go ahead and come out now? And also, why did you decide that with the Senior Bowl giving underclassmen a chance, that this was the place for you to showcase your skills? Yeah. So, you know, I talk with my family and my agent all the time, and just just the um I felt like it was ready for me to actually go and chase my dream that I was chasing since a little kid. Like I I felt like I've I've proven myself in college football and now it was actually to go go do the thing that I've been dreaming of this whole time. So 
um, just talks with my family and my agent just prompted me to make the decision to leave early and just just uh, go chase what I was chasing since I was born, man. And for as far as the senior bowl, like, I just felt like all the, all the guys that were here were big-name guys, and, and it was it was more than enough conversation for me to come here and actually prove myself. So I felt like this was just another opportunity for me to help myself in this draft process and things of that nature. So, yeah. Kalen, you know, you know, this is the 75th anniversary of the Senior Bowl, so it's been going on a long time. A lot of great players come through here. But you're in a unique, you're in a unique class, the first underclassmen that have ever been invited to the, to, to the Senior Bowl. So there's going to be some, you know, a lot of eyes on you, which is what you want. Yeah. You played in big competition there at, at Penn State. What are you looking forward to here throughout this process? Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a couple of different things, like, I'm looking. I just want to. I want to have fun while I'm out here. I'm looking forward to competing against top name guys in the um, in in this upcoming draft class. And really, I'm just here to show everyone that I am the player that they think I am. So hard to leave your brother behind, your twin brother Kobe. Yeah, man, that was hard, man. It was real hard. Like I remember when I was leaving to go train for Florida, and he dropped. He actually was the one who dropped me off at the airport, and. Like, right, right when we was pulling up to the airport, I started getting a little emotional. Uh-huh. I held it together. A little tear dropped, but he didn't see it. I was turned away. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it was tough, though, but I'm good. Now. But let me let me ask you this, though, because you have, uh, obviously, guys like you, talented like you, have a sounding board. But you've got a really good one in your former teammate, Joey Porter, who's yeah. now a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. Have you leaned on him to help you through this process? Yes, for sure. Like, Anytime I get an opportunity, I'm 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 asking Joey Porter a question about anything. He's always he's always there to you know give me little gems and bits and pieces of how everything is going to go. Like ever like ever since I stepped on campus at Penn State and seen the way Joey works and the way he just carries himself, I knew that was a guy who was going to be playing on Sunday. So I tried to I tried to make sure I was around him as much as possible, just so I can soak up as much information and knowledge that I can. Kalen, is Marvin Harrison Jr. the best receiver you've gone against? Yes. What was that like? Uh, so he he's one of those guys. He he has it all. Like he's a, he's a rare. He's one of the rare rare guys that I've seen in my career. His combination of size, speed, catch radius. Uh, he takes no plays off. His effort is is off the charts every play. So I feel like that's what sets him apart. And he's definitely. You know, a very good player who's going to have a very good career. But that's got to help you this week that you have seen Marvin Harrison Jr. and guys of that ilk in your time at Penn right. State. Yeah, for sure. Be less intimidating towards the the one-on-ones and know, knowing you're being evaluated on every play? Yeah, definitely. Like I feel like that only helped me. Talk to us a little bit now. Let's get into some ball. Talk to us about, you know, the the techniques. that I know we watch tape on you. We know what you've played there. What do you think you need to work on? Uh, so I feel like I need to work on uh, definitely my knowledge of the game more. Like you can never you can never know too much in a game of football. And I feel like uh, I definitely need to improve on my knowledge of the sport. Like just th- like because I feel like um, corners, cornerback is, if not arguably, the hardest position in football. So <laughs> just – just refreshing my knowledge and, and learning new things and just adding things to my toolbox so it can help me in the long Talk run. Talk about your toolbox. Where, where, where are you more comfortable? Of course, you're playing out there on the island. I mean, we all understand We all understand what that is, but you're playing out there on the island. Is it off man, press man? Just tell me, talk to me a, a little bit about what you So I played a lot of press man. Yes, you did. At uh, Penn State, Manny Diaz yes. uh, came in with that defense, and I loved it ever since he stepped on campus because that's the type of guy I am. I'm a – a physical corner who likes to get in in receivers' faces and put hands on. So definitely press man. You're from Detroit. Yes, sir. 
you play cornerback like a guy from Detroit, not yes. scared of anything? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> How does that background and that attitude help you play that position? I feel like growing up in Detroit, man, like it's, it's one of those areas where you can easily get distracted. You can easily get your mind set off the main goal. But my mom and dad, since I was young, instilled in me that I had the opportunity of a lifetime and that I had to take. I had to take advantage of it. So every day I wake up and I take the field, I just remember, like, not, not too many guys get this opportunity, so I have to make the best of it. And that just keeps me pushing forward every day. Kalen King, Penn State, cornerback. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Kalen. Kalen King, cornerback from Penn State, with us on the OTP. Coach Dave McGinnis, how did you think his first day of practice went? I thought it was good. I think he can. I think he can be better. The thing that he can do that you could see, he can run, run. Mm-hmm. With that, the the zebra, the zebra system that they're using, that they, I love this down here because I mean, Jim Nagy's got this thing rolling, and and so they'll post it on the board after the, after the, the practice. The, the fastest times on on zebra, I think he was third. I mean, the guy can run, run. Now the rest of that stuff, you can fix. He needs to have a better day tomorrow. Got to get off being a little grabby. Better day, better day to, but not a little. I mean, I, I thought, you know, he, he, he was grabbing high, too, which is gets you any time. You know, you can grab. You, you teach grabbing down by the belt you sure. know, on the turn and all that stuff and all that stuff, but he was too high today. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, too. Coach Mack and I listened to some stuff on our ride down, and uh, Jim Nagy talked about – he talked about Kalen King. And said, last year he said that, you know, the scouts were going in to Penn State to look at Joey Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. And said, of course, they can't talk to him. They can't visit with him. But, of course, people talk. And said most of the scouts that they talked to walked out talking about Kalen King. Mm-hmm. So, it's fascinating. He's been on a radar. And it's interesting. He must teach grabbing at Penn State simply because that was one of Joey Porter Jr.'s it was. biggest faults. It True. was. Too it many was. penalties. And yep. Rhett, I, I thought your point, though, about his relationship with Joey Porter Jr. and your question to Kalen King was really spot on in the way he's gotten advice about how he's got to work through everything. And he was a guy that a lot of scouting people thought had an up-and-down 2023, more to prove in this process. But, man, all the tools are there. They are. And 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 the way I framed it, I asked him about him leaving his twin brother, Kobe, who he played with, right. who's a linebacker at Penn State, and how hard that was. But he has a, a veteran voice and a guy who's already been around the block one year with Joey Porter to kind of help him through that, which is so valuable uh, to use as a sounding board to know what to expect, to know what to look out for and try to avoid pitfalls, all those things. Here's the number one thing he has, though, that we talk about grabbing. You, you, you could teach all of that. The thing he has that you can't teach is speed. Oh, right. He got speed. And he's not scared. No. And Mike, you know who else was fast? Luke McCaffrey. Luke McCaffrey was fast. He had Just a what, tick over 20 miles an hour. Yeah, Luke McCaffrey, and, and if the last name sounds familiar, it's because he's a McCaffrey. He's, he's Ed McCaffrey's son. He's Christian McCaffrey's brother, younger brother. He was uh, a quarterback coming out of high school. But, you know, I, I, he makes some interesting points. I don't want to totally foreshadow the interview we're about to play, but – Really good-looking receiver out of Rice. Coach, I thought he had a good day. He did have a good day, and I, and I liked him. And I like visiting with him. He's football smart. Mm-hmm. Smart, smart. And, Mike, he brings value as a special teams return guy as well. 
You love all those things. He's good. He's good. And you knew his route tree was going to be good because guess what? His dad was pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of learned some things. His dad was really good. Started off as a quarterback, finally ended up a receiver. From earlier today, Luke McCaffrey, wide receiver from Rice, with us on the OTP. Luke McCaffrey, wide receiver, Rice. Does it still sound weird to you just a little bit when I say wide receiver, considering how much quarterback you played? No, I think throughout my career, I was always the slash. That's what uh, that's what my old teammates used to call me. And so I, I was kind of quarterback slash receiver slash running back slash safety. And so uh, it kind of feels nice to, to have a home, to have a label now. So, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm super comfortable with, with the wide receiver. So when you finally moved full-time, I guess, in the spring of 22, yep. that just became – that was not a big jump for you. No, it was awesome. It was, it was freeing, to be honest, because I felt like that was the first time in my life I'd been able to just enjoy the game. You know, you put so much hard work into it. You, you know, you want to play, uh, play with the guys around you. And so I think that was the first time in my career that I really felt free to sort of just let the reins, let the reins fly and, and go from there. I'm a TCU alum, so we, we'll, we'll put that aside right now <laughs> with, with the frogs and the owls. Okay, yeah. Luke. Look, coming from a quarterback – Moving to the wide receiver, you've got a better perspective as far as to what's going on. How has that helped you? Yeah, well, first off, I think you might be one of the first people to really have a little bit of an aggressive edge against Rice. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> liked, liked seeing us. <laughs> um, played, played Rice for all of my career yeah. down there because it was in the Southwest Conference. Yeah, you exactly. Know, we, we all yeah, played. Yeah, yeah. So, so Incredible history. Yeah, really good history. Yeah, yeah but uh, going back to that, I, I think it helped a ton, especially in film study, preparing for the week you're really able to kind of diagnose a defense, know what's going on in the field. But I think when it comes down to it, I actually had to dumb a lot of that down to the extent of at, at receiver, you're almost going one-on-one with someone every play. And so you don't have to worry about what the, what the three tech's doing. You don't have to worry about what the front's doing. And it helps to, to understand the game and to prepare for the game. But once you're in the moment, you got to just let it rip and, and let it fly. Yeah, expand upon that a little bit. So you t- you're yeah. talking about, I mean, it's like having, it's like taking your high beams off yeah. and putting your dims on, but you're focused, more focused on what's in front of you. And also, you've got a chance to know what the quarterback's thinking a little bit. Talk about that some. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think football's a timing and precision sport, right? You, you have to have that cohesiveness with your whole unit, especially at quarterback and receiver. And so I think just understanding that and then the, the level of the level of communication that plays into the relationship between football players and quarterbacks and receivers was really special because, you know, I, I feel blessed to have gone through that because I feel like I can talk to quarterbacks on a level that other guys probably can, and that, that just helps, uh, helps the team at the end of the day. Luke, you spoke with a, a sense of relief talking about how much pressure it takes off of you from transitioning from quarterback to wide receiver. Uh, I hear that in your voice because I, I think about – when you played for Scott Frost, you you started a game at uh, versus Penn State, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, from what? But the question is, what's the what's the hardest thing about trans uh, transferring positions like this from a quarterback position to a wide receiver? Oh, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I think the whole first year that I that I had transitioned, I just focused on the fundamentals. I wanted to learn how to get off press, wanted to learn how to get out of breaks, wanted to learn how to do all those basic needs that that you have when you're a receiver, right? And then I think as I've progressed, I've been able to apply those to where now I can try out different releases and different tops of the break at different moments and then kind of put it all together at the end of the day. How much did you talk to your dad 
about wide receiver when you made the full transition? Oh, a whole lot. Yeah, he wanted to make sure I was confident in the decision. And the minute the minute that uh, that he sensed the the genuine want and the genuine passion for this, I think I started going to him with questions immediately, and he he started responding. That was pretty cool. It's it's pretty special, and there's no doubt that that I'm probably more blessed than anybody in the world well, right because he was resource. such a technician yeah in his career exactly He's such a technician and such a competitor and so everything from you know taping your jersey to cutting out different insoles in your pads so that you're a little bit lighter is is everything that he dove his whole entire mind into and so it's pretty cool to have somebody who went through that already in today's world like coming down to mobile is there extra pressure being a McCaffrey right now I wouldn't say so I, I think actually there's probably less pressure coming from a small school because I think a lot of people, you know, haven't seen me play to an extent. And so I think it's really fun to just be able to be free out here and to, to kind of show everybody, you know, who, who I think I am throughout the last season and the season before that. Because not a lot of people, you know, watched our games this year. And so I, I think it's such a blessing, such a cool opportunity. Yeah, now speaking of that, now down, now down here, you're going to be you're going to be going against corners from different places at, at different levels. The one-on-ones down here, I'm just speaking from a few years of experience in this league, is, is, is really critical and important. What are you concentrating on there? Yeah, so, again, that goes into just dumbing down the process. So, you know, I, I get to the line and I have my, uh, my response to whatever's out there, right? If they're pressed, I want to do something specific. If they're, if they're playing off, I want to do something different. And so just going through that process every single play because you know it's a long week a lot of things are going to go well a a lot of things are probably going to go bad right and so I think a a big part of what makes good football players is people who can work through all that junk and get better at the end of the day and so I I hope every single day I learn something and uh, I'm just able to kind of play free and and grow throughout the week. Let me just say as a a, a longtime coach in this league and having coached down here and I know that's what people are looking for down here is improvement day to day because they expect they don't expect you to know everything the first day as you're as you're well aware but the improvement and and you're you're spot on with that the improvement day to day is important and be able to to do that everybody's got something they're working on and you're still working on your craft as you've moved to the wide receiver but what do you think your strengths are that will show up this week and in this process going forward yeah I think something that uh that that people probably didn't see in my game entirely for for some reason just from talking with others is just the ability to run routes the ability to create separation I, I think I've shown a great ability to catch the ball in traffic to to make uh contested plays I think I've shown good uh good run after the catch but I'm, I'm excited to kind of show off what I've learned the last year, last year and a half uh, from a route running standpoint. Luke McCaffrey, so good to meet you. And uh, I know an exciting time in your life and your family's life. Congratulations on all of that. Good luck the rest of the week here in Mobile. Thank you so much. Hey, Luke, by the way, everybody here that's down here has seen Rice play. Just know that. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Good to see you. Luke McCaffrey, wide receiver from Rice, with us on the OTP. Good to visit with him. Um, We watched receivers like crazy today because, obviously, the OT people and all Titans fans know this team has got to upgrade its receiving core. There are a bunch to choose from down here, all shapes and sizes. The Xavier Leggett's from South Carolina. Uh, certainly a fun player to watch. I had a chance to visit with Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver from Louisville. You'll be able to see that at TennesseeTitans.com. And he's got he's got a lot of speed. He cannot wait to run at the Combine. 
Um, so kind of on and on, and we just you know had the interview with Luke McCaffrey. Anybody else grab you at receiver today, Rhett? Uh, there's one in particular, uh, and I wrote down several, but uh, Lad McConkey from Georgia with the stop-start skills that he possesses and showed down there where he in one-on-ones is just snapping some guy's ankles. Uh, and, of course, we know all about him because of the way Georgia's program spent the last two or three years, but uh, he, he continued to display that in the first practice. Yeah, um, one for me was Ricky Pearsall. Mm-hmm. And from fast, Florida. Yeah, from Florida. Familiar with him too, okay? <laughs> with that being said, though, they had him working in the slot. He was smooth in his route running, good hands, man, and could separate too. He had a ball thrown behind him, put it on his hip and brought it in. Ricky Pearsall is a wide receiver that I – yeah, I'm going to watch again tomorrow to see if he does it again. You got one? Yeah, Devontae Walker. The kid Tez. From, the, Tez. From, from from North Carolina. You could he's he's raw. He's raw, but he's got he's got some skills. Uh, they as I said, both teams did a lot of one on ones today, but when he takes off, he can take off. He's twenty sixth on Daniel Jeremiah's top fifty. Well, that's because Daniel called me and asked me what <laughs> did he? I there he is. Yeah, asked me he what should have. He just me. revealed himself as a source. He asked me what I thought. You're a source now. That's good. <laughs> uh, Lad McConkey that you referred to has fascinated me. Because you watch him and you think, oh, well, he's this. And then you're like, no. And then you watch him do something else and you think, oh, he's this. And it's like, no. I don't think there's really anything he can't do. He is a very complete player. Georgia used him in different ways. They used him underneath. They used him over the middle. They used him on deep shots. I mean, there's a lot he can do. Position versatility. He's got that. I mean, he is just a really good receiver. 44th on Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 list. The wide receiver from Georgia who could have come back for another year but decided to go out. I caught him post-practice this afternoon on the American team. Georgia wide receiver Lad McConkie on the OTP. Lad McConkie, wide receiver, Georgia. Some people were surprised that you chose to come here because you've played so much football. Mm-hmm. People have seen what you can do. Why come to the Senior Bowl? It's another chance to compete. I mean, this is football. This is fun. It's not like you're having me do something I don't like. I love doing this. Um, I mean, practice one-on-ones, all that stuff. It, it's fun. Another uh, another impression in front, of these, in front of these scouts and all these coaches. So come out here, do my job, and let the rest take care of itself. What have you been working on since the end of the Georgia season? Yeah, so I've been training uh, down at EXO, so it kind of flips a little bit, obviously doing on football and stuff like that, but really speed training, being explosive, um, working on combine drills, and I mean, after this, that's, what, that's what's in my sight, that's what's on my radar, so attack that even more when I get back after this. What are you hoping to run when you get to the combine? <laughs> we'll see. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, in the different interview settings, some of which you've already sort of gotten into, what sorts of questions are teams asking you? Um, I mean, so far it's kind of just been basic info. I mean, they just want to know about you, know what kind of person you are, know what you came from, why'd you choose Georgia. Um, and then obviously it's going to start ramping up. But, I mean, they really just want to get an idea of you, how you feel on the football field, how you prepare, what you do, game weeks, how you recover, stuff like that. Um, and then obviously your history. So that's Try something out on you. Seems like one thing that you have the ability to prove is that you can be a slot receiver, you can be an outside no receiver, you can play really anywhere. Is that something that Mobile gives you a chance to do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, y'all probably saw me a day working inside and outside. Um, that's something I did at Georgia. So, I mean, they did a good job. We would go 12 personnel. I'd go in the slot. 11, I'd be more outside. So, they moved me all around, so I'm comfortable with it. Um, I've told all the coaches and everybody I've met with, like, I can play inside, I can play outside. So, 
seem very complete, so one wonders what does Lad McConkey have to work on to continue to impress NFL teams through this whole process? Yeah. It's a game of inches, so I always say as a receiver, you can always work your hands better at the line of scrimmage, at top of routes, um, just at second-level releases, stuff like that, and then being efficient, um, not fall-stepping, not slipping, um, coming out of breaks, because I know the window just gets that much more tighter when you get to the next level. That's Lad McConkey, wide receiver from Georgia. Really impressed with him. Where's Daniel Jeremiah got Pearsall? He's not in the top 50. Okay. I think some got him second, third round. But if you're looking at his specialty, if they line them up in slot, that's probably where you would draft a guy like that. Would you say so, Mac, in your history, drafting those types of guys? I just think he's a really, really smart yeah. football player. Well, the thing about Pearsall is he's got some good size. And he's got some of the, the stop-and-go part of it that you want. Pearsaw came in uh, nearly 6'1", 193 pounds. Yeah. McConkey came in, and this surprised some people, because when you saw him on TV, you sort of thought he's this little guy. And turns out he's 5'11", 187 pounds. So he has decent size. He does. That's yeah. A- the guy who shocked me most with the size thing, and, and I mean it totally took me aback, was the was the running back from Missouri? I, I was I was stunned that Cody Schrader. When you saw him on TV, you thought he was this big, physical five eight two oh seven. He's a fire hydrant. He ran well. He did a good job mm-hmm. overall. I didn't think he was the best back on the day. Who'd you think the best back was? Rhett. Uh, I don't know about the, the very best, but one of the best, I think, is Marshawn Lloyd Marshawn from Southern Lloyd Cal. Marshawn Lloyd from Southern Cal, who used to play at South Carolina. The yeah. other USC. The other USC. Five-star out of DeMatha coming out. was a huge prospect for, for South Carolina. Tore up a knee and then had two eh, years. Transfers to uh, Southern Cal and has a really nice 2023. I think one of the things you like about him is he's not used up. I don't even think he has 300 total carries in his college career. And I think you, I think you yeah. like that. I'm still disappointed that, that Jalen Wright's not here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Because I, I wanted to see him in this competition. Yeah, yeah me too. I want to see him doing pass pro. I want yep. to see him in the passing game. Um, because, I mean, his speed – and some of these backs are fast, some of them are quick, some of them are in between, some of them have both. But I don't think there's anybody here who has the gear that Jalen Wright from Tennessee has. Not the sudden gear. Oh, no, not, not the sudden not, gear. Not, 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 the su- not the sudden gear. The guy I like was Rasheen Ali from Marshall. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to talk to Rasheed Ali. And Rasheen Ali is, uh, is really an interesting dude, bigger than we thought. He's another guy you saw him, you thought he was, oh, this little kind of mm. – no, he's 5'11", 210 pounds. Yeah. He has good size. And he had some quicks that were more toward Jalen Wright than maybe anybody else. Am I oversimplifying, Rhett? No, I think that's that's correct, yeah. I, I think, though, Jalen Wright is more sudden. Yeah. Okay. Jalen Wright's a sudden dude. He is. And listen, I'll go around the table. Are the Titans drafting a running back in this draft? Regardless of what happens, are the Titans drafting a running back? I would think not. No. No. Okay. I would think so. Yes. Yeah, I do too. I You're three to one on that. I, I know, and I base it on the fact that if you think Tajay's a guy, you probably find a veteran guy to actually help lead him to. I think you'll do that. Okay. I mean, if, Regardless. If, if Henry's okay. not back, yeah. 
But regardless of what happens, if you know, and and all the talk about Derek is all the talk about Derek. But regardless of what happens, I think from a value standpoint, you're taking a back somewhere in this draft. That's fair. And so I think down here is an interesting place to watch that. I think you're probably signing a veteran too. And the potential free agent veteran running back list is impressive. Always. Quite a few names. Yeah. It's become more and more impressive every year because just of what just of what the valuation Rightly or wrongly, mm-hmm. that the position is carrying right now. What's beautiful though about that position, and it gets it devalues it too, is everybody dreams of playing that position. So the guys that make it to this level are actually pretty good at it. It was two guys on this list that I was looking at: is Dylan Lobby mm-hmm. from New Hampshire, who had one of the fastest times of the day on the on the tracker. He was good out of the backfield too, mm-hmm. and and the other one was uh, Isaiah Davis out of South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Both show flashes in catching out of the backfield. That's one of the things Coach Mack you said you have to be able to show up running back. Can you block? Can you catch? And I forget the other one, Coach Mack. I got I got to look at my notes on that one. Listen a little closer. Listen next time. Closer next time. <laughs> What's the other one? <laughs> Yeah, got to block, got to be able to catch, and um, got to block, got to be able to catch, and vision, 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 vision. That's good discussion. This has been fun. It's why it's fun to come down here. That's great down here because doing ball it. this way is pretty fantastic. And I like coming down here with you guys. Well, we enjoy you too, Coach. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> All the time. Wow. What? I, I was excited to see this today more than last year. And I got to give it up to a school that I, they, their players just kept popping. Missouri sent some good players. They sure down did. Here. You can see why they won games. Yes. You can. You can. Their product is good down here, and, and and you see it from all other schools too. But Missouri sent some good guys down here. This, this well, time. everybody they had is a ball player. Yeah. You know what they're going to be in the NFL? Who knows? Because you got to get in the situation. You got to stay healthy. All that has to happen. But you just watch some guys, and they're saying, oh, but, I mean, it's like seeing the Georgia guys. Yeah. They're all ball players. Just football players. That's a great point, Mike. Great point. SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to Titans games or any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. So, Titans fans. Ken Fan. Thank you, Red. All right. That's going to do it for the OTP. Again, go to TennesseeTitans.com. Uh, I've got some interviews that uh, we'll post there, including if, if you had a, didn't have a chance to hear the earlier part, the, the Lad McConkey interview, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, the offensive lineman from Oregon is there. Uh, Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver from Louisville, is there, which I think you'll really enjoy. And Rasheen Ali, the running back from Marshall, will be there. Plus an interview with Tajay Spears. Uh, he gave us some time on the field, and it was good. I asked him, are you going to try to play in the game again since you, <laughs> since, since you made so much money here last year? Going to double down. I mean, he did. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars with his performance here last year. Can I give some more kudos to Ritt? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Go ahead. I think Mike's saying it's a one-year memoriam on that. No, it's not. The, okay. Which two-lane players are you going to fall in love with this year? Not too late. Rhett, okay. But Rhett was in love. Man crush on Ty J Spears before we ever drove down here, and then in the stands, it was, it was like there was nobody else on the field. It was, it was Mac. Did you see that, Mac? Did you see that? <laughs> well, in fairness, he was the best player on the field. Well, he's a hundred percent right. He was That's right. What, so I'm giving him kudos. And I mean, the, the, do you have your your man crush this year? Still formulating. Okay. okay. So not like last year. Not you like his last year. Okay. No. No. All right. 
The man had I, a I t-shirt. I have one. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> the man, I do. You do? I do. It's you two dudes, share it? man. Two dudes. Go. I said them earlier. Braden Fiske. Okay. The defensive lineman Defense. from Florida State. He, him, and um, it's, it's three. I can add to it. Parker, Parker, Parker Powers Johnson is another one. But the other one, man, the big dude, Tavondre Swift. Those those three right there, I'm I'm I love because they they have what they do and they're doing it well at least on the first day of practice. Yeah, yeah sweat is a it, sweat is what we refer to as a front end loader. Yeah, he is, Matt. He just he just drops the blade and you can't move him. It didn't weigh you in today because you knew. I mean, he probably got to shed a little bit, but he weighs enough. And guess what he did with all that too, Coach Matt? Move forward, move that pocket. Yeah, he did. And he's the kid from Texas, Texas right? Yes. Correct. He's from Texas. Yeah, Defensive lineman from Texas. And they, he weighs 360. I've seen as much as 368. Uh-huh. He did not – he must have broken the scale here maybe. Yeah. I don't know because <laughs> there's, no, there's no weight there to go with the if other If you have a man crush, it's only fitting because he could crush you. He could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, it, Max right though, front end loader. You talk about the space, man. The space eater is there. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, he was knocking guys back. Yeah, you know, Ramon Foster's a big man. <laughs> but, 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 but. He doesn't weigh 360. No, 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 he used to. But. <laughs> that was a time. That was a time. I, I, there it is. But, that, was, that was a time. Wow, we, that came we out. Past but, that. We, we have violence that. now. Not, yeah. But, but, uh, just honesty. But <laughs> when when Sweat walked out on wow. the field and we're sitting up there in the stands looking, uh, Ramon Who's that? <laughs> I immediately did. He, 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 said, did. he said, Mac, who's that? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, though, and Mac, Mac will admit this several times during this practice today. You know, I kind of like these offensive linemen are down here. I kind of like these offensive linemen. That tells me there's some, there's some guys here. Yeah. There's some guys here. No, no doubt. For Rhett Bryan, for Ramon Foster, for Coach Dave McGinnis, I'm Mike Keith. Thanking you for joining us from Mobile and the OTP.